Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, my friends out there in Blog Talk Radio land. And I want to say a special good morning to our loyal listeners who've been with us now, uh, going on 13 years. So thank you to you. It is a beautiful day here in Georgia. I hope it's the same where where you are. Of course, next Saturday is, or next weekend is Father's Day for those who may still have to go out and get a card or a gift uh, for their father. Uh, but I want to drop this thought in, in your mind. And this was one that we shared last week, but this is a thought worth uh, worth remembering. Uh, and it's something you can think about throughout the day or the week. And it's, it's from by Carol Burnett. And the thought is, only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. Only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. So, again, I want to welcome you, and you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf on this June the 10th, 2017. We have an amazing guest on deck for you. But before we introduce today's guest, and she's been very involved in the community, and I was blessed to cross her path several years ago. Before we introduce this this uh, phenomenal woman to you, I wanted to ask you how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you somebody who likes to figure out what happened, who was responsible for something before the writer reveals it or before you see it revealed in a movie or a TV show? I know when I was a kid I liked to figure out. I used to read a lot of mystery books. I want to know before it was revealed, who did it? <laughs> Pay attention to see if I could figure it out. If you're that kind of person and if you also like and value relationships, not just romantic relationships, there is a a, a romantic soulmate relationship in the, in the book, but also a complicated relationship between a father and a son. And then there's these four friends that Raymond Clark, who is one of the main characters in the book Love Pour Over Me, meets while he is in college in Pennsylvania. So you've got your friendships, a parental relationship that's very complicated, and then a love relationship, a romantic relationship, I should say. If you And then there's a murder mystery involving Raymond and the friends. So if you, if these things are intrigue you, you attract you, I really think you will love Love Pour Over Me. And I encourage you to get a copy. It's in print or ebook form. I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by me, Denise Turney. And if you don't see it on the bookstore shelves when you're out at the bookstore, just ask the clerk, just to ask them, tell me you want to order a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and they can order you a special print copy. But ebook, you can get it Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, ebook it. If you want an ebook copy, you can get that just right there at your computer. I encourage you again to get a copy of Love Pour for me by Denise Turney and let me know how you enjoy the book. And I hope you'll go out and get a copy today. And now let us go and meet our very special off the shelf guest, our special guest today. And I have to say before I start, we have been so blessed. With the guests we've had on Off the Shelf, we have had guests who are operate multi-million-dollar businesses. We've had guests who you see on international television shows. They have their own daily show that you might have seen them on. So we have been so blessed. New York Times best-selling authors, Essence best-selling authors. Today's special guest is very involved in the community. And who is she? Our special guest this morning is Rena Risper. Now, Rena is the publisher of New Citizens Press. It's a multicultural newspaper that it's online, so it has a global reach, but it mainly serves the Lansing, Michigan area. And Rena is also the executive director of the New Citizens Press Community Action Network. She's a member of the Michigan Business Network. And she formerly served as president of the Walnut Neighborhood Organization. She also served as an advisory board member of the Greater Lansing Business Monthly. 
And Rena attended the City University of New York. Now, isn't that something? All this Michigan, and then she got to throw in some New York. She attended the City <laughs> University of New York, and she has a bachelor's in sociology, so she seems to be pathing. And you can check New Citizens Press out online at tncp.net. So www.t is in Tom, n is in Nancy, c is in Cat, p is in Peter.net. Again, that's t. N C P dot net. Welcome, welcome uh, uh, to Off the Shelf, Rena. We're so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so blessed to be speaking with you this morning. It's been quite a while. We've been in contact with each other for many, many years, and I appreciate all that you do in the literary world and all that you do in the radio world by keeping us all relevant because. In media, television, newspaper, we all need to stick together, especially right now, given the current economic stress, stressors that um, the media is um, undergoing. Oh, oh, yes, and that well, with the things coming online, that's that's one of them. You know, I, when I was a little girl, I can still remember seeing the adults. Everybody that had a newspaper delivered to their home or they pay for a newspaper. And it was like that's what you did every single single morning. So just like everything in this world, that that too is is shifting. But before we launch into the show's questions, and you have such a, a wealth of knowledge, especially, again, as media is really taking a center stage right now. But before we go into today's questions, Rena, could you please tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, East New York first. Well, actually, I I was born in Manhattan, Manhattan, Queens, New York, Queens, New York, Brooklyn, New York. And I remember most about Brooklyn, New York, because that was a very interesting time for me because I kind of found out what I love to do. I had a preschool teacher and a grade school teacher, and the, he was always the same same person because it was it was New Lots Daycare Center, and he was just the most amazing person. He he taught us how to paint still fruit in Brooklyn, New York, in grade school. And that is when I really found out how much I loved the arts and how much I loved to write because he was just that type of person. And after Brooklyn, we moved to Bayshore, Long Island, which was, whew, that was a very... <laughs> That was a very traumatic move for me. But I believe that a lot of times parents do things because they feel it's in the best interest of their children. I didn't know about how dangerous Brooklyn was. Um, I do recall my mother getting her bag stolen from her once um, and crossing uh, the boundaries of having a cop as a father. He was a policeman in the 79th um, precinct, and they found the guy who took my mother's bag. (laughs) So the only real crime that I came across, but as a child, you don't know how much that impacts individuals. As an adult now, I probably would have moved from Brooklyn, too, to Long Island. And when we moved from Brooklyn to Long Island, I mean, there were fruit trees. I mean, ice skating. I'm looking around like this is, ooh-wee, this is, ooh. No trains, no buses. I said they really took it took it to the, the maximum with that one. But when I got to Long Island, I was so out of place. I had an accent, um, you know, Brooklyn and being from the Caribbean gave me an accent that people were not used to. So basically I stopped talking as much as I used to 
and found the library. I found the library. I would go to the library, and by the time I got out of middle school, grade school, I read almost every single book in the library and volunteered at the library in middle school as a person that helped people check out books and was in Bayshore until I graduated uh, from high school. And then I took off uh, to Southampton College, which wasn't for me, came back home and then, you know, headed for the big city and graduated from city um, college in New York, and that's basically about it. Then went to Michigan. <laughs> then moved to Michigan. It's been interesting out here too. But you know, you you bring up your experiences to where you are, and it is a pleasure to live in Michigan. Sometimes because you have experienced more than some of the people have that live here, so you can bring some different ideas to the places that you move to. Mm, what I would interesting. Suggest, yeah, yeah, you know, what I would suggest to for parents who are considering sending their children to a school in another state, that you really get the newspaper. Don't go online and look at what the newspaper states online, because a lot of newspapers online don't include all of the information that's actually in the printed newspaper. So if you really want to know where your child is going, or if you really want to know where you're planning on moving to because your friend Sandra told you to move to North Carolina because it's so beautiful, but you know what? Sandra just visited. She was a visitor. She she does not live there, you know? So I would suggest that um, your listeners, the newspaper, the physical newspaper of wherever they want to send their children and wherever they want to move to, you can go through the help wanted ad to see if, you know, jobs are really out there or see what the crime is like. You know, they don't print the police blotter for the most part on um, websites. They just print you know, what they can, what they think is most important, and then they keep it moving. But when you have it on paper, you know, that's really important. You can't miss out on, you know, what wasn't said because there it is right there in black and white. Okay, okay. I wanted to, I was going to ask you, you you were, you've always, you said read books, and that was interesting. You're so involved in the Michigan community. Uh, I was very surprised to hear you were born born in New York. So when you were a child, did you know what what or, or what did you dream of becoming? You read a lot of books. What you know, you that's, that's really be- interesting. Um, when I was a child, I wanted to be a lawyer. Oh, wow. My father, yeah, my father told me that women can't be lawyers. And I know my family, oh. I know my siblings are going to be like, oh, but it's true. That's what he told me. He told me I couldn't be a lawyer. So I, you know, just, you know, that just left my mind. But in a way, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, which is, you know, being there for people. So in a way, I found another way to help people by just being there for them and creating a nonprofit that helps people. And I don't have to defend people that I really don't want to defend, nor do I have to spend countless hours collecting information. I just help people. You know, that's that's what we do. We collect information and provide resources to families of murder victims and other individuals. And it's really interesting how many – I got a, a an award for um, – leadership is individual and social responsibility from Olivet College. And I didn't know what I was going to say because, you know, you just do what you do just because you want to, not because you have to. I don't, it's not a paid job. And I thought, what should I talk about? And what I spoke about was a woman who called me out of the blue inquiring about information 
on her life, her lifestyle, and how she could get help for her adult son who uh, is on heroin. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, wow, really? Uh, It was totally shocking to me that she would even consider me as a resource. And how I went about finding her the assistance that she needed was um, to connect her with other parents. Her son is an adult, but she's still a mother. So I just connected her with some other parents so that they could, you know, support one another. And she just wanted to talk. Sometimes that's just what you do um, to help people. So in a way, I'm kind of doing what I was supposed to do, but more on a social work, sociology type of level, which to me is almost the same thing um, as I think that I went from, you know, wanting to be a lawyer to wanting to be a social worker and then realizing how complicated that would be um, and then decided I was going to just work in an industry that, that helped people. And before the newspaper, I worked in insurance, which, and I, I think that we all should, you know, use our resources and our skills from our previous jobs to make other people's lives better. Like, for instance, with the um, nonprofit that I have that helps families of murder victims, my insurance background comes in handy because I, it, it. it it really, um, it really hurts me when I see individuals have GoFundMe accounts to pay for funerals. Get some insurance. Well, oh wow, yeah. Get some insurance. So, oftentimes, um, I'm explaining to individuals what the difference between whole life and term, and those types of uh, questions come up a lot. Or if they don't come up and someone's having a hot dog fundraiser two years after the the death to raise money for the headstone. Mm. You know what I mean? It it gets really, um, it gets really interesting. Uh, And, and, and parents and family members go in and out, you know, one year about it. And the next year, you know, they're, they're trying to collect money to still raise, raise funds to either pay back the cousin who paid it in full or, you know, just it, 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 there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes if you are not prepared for that. And if you don't ask questions, you won't really know how to help people truly. It's not just about a one-time thing. It's about us all using our resources to help continually. Mm-hmm. Now, can you briefly take us, Rena, through the process of actually starting a community newspaper. What if somebody wanted to do that now, and they weren't thinking like, like make a lot of money, but they were maybe saying to themselves, "I want to get information out that isn't captured in the main, mainstream media." Because mainstream media is is it, it's expensive to be on television and radio, so they have to cover those costs and then play their pay their staff. So they have to go for stories that are going to pull in a lot of viewers. At the local media, you you may, you may not do that, but there may be some stories that you think are pertinent, should be heard, and they're not being told. So somebody might say, oh, you know what, I want to start a community newspaper. Can you take us through what what is the process like of starting a community newspaper? Oh, that's a, that's a very interesting question. And that's an interesting question because um, mainstream newspapers um, – Mainstream mainstream newspapers are decreasing in size, and they're also decreasing the amount of time that they publish. Most newspapers, most small newspapers, get their newspaper printed. Before you even think about that you want to start a newspaper, you have to think about the process of doing that first. You have to find a printer who would be willing to print it first. And that that sometimes can be a huge problem because uh, other newspapers consider you as competition. 
So finding a printer first is, is the first step if that's what you really want to do. Because if you talk to the printer and they say, well, you have to print it on this size paper, broadsheet is the, the long the long way newspaper. You know, they don't really print that size anymore. Very seldomly do they print that size. And then there's tabloid, which is the size of the National Enquirer, which is why it's called tabloid size. And you have to figure out what what you want to do because most people think of the newspaper, they think of mainstream media newspapers, which are usually broadsheet the longer version of the newspaper as opposed to um, the National Enquirer, which is a tabloid size. You have to figure out what you want to do first. Then, after you figure that out, then you have to learn how to create your documents in a program. Um, whether What kind of program are you going to use, and is your program going to be compatible with the um, the newspaper printing um company. There's a lot to go in um, business when you're talking about starting a newspaper. But if someone wanted to start a newspaper, I would really suggest that you talk to a printer first because there's so many different there's so many different um, pieces that go that need to go together before you even begin to write. You can write all you want, but and you can have stories, but if you don't have anyone to print, that that's going to be a problem. And you don't just want to print somewhere like um, one of the big box stores. It, they, they're they not going to have newspaper print paper. They're going to have regular um, paper. And at that point, it becomes a newsletter. So a lot of individuals oh, okay. see what I'm saying. It just regular paper becomes a newsletter. Um, a magazine is different from a newsletter, and a magazine is different from an, a newspaper. So you have newspapers, magazines, and newsletters, and then you have um, the the web. So if someone really wanted to start a newspaper on newspaper paper, <laughs> then you would have to speak to the printer first. Because a lot of people think that uh, you can just um, print a magazine. It's very expensive to print in color as well. So you have to figure out whether that's in your budget or not. And if it's not in your budget, you need to just stick to either um, a website or a community blog. And then after, what what I would suggest is if you have a community blog, Always go back. If you decide you want to print a newspaper, you can always go back to those stories. Because I started a newspaper, and I thought to myself, when I watch television and I see news, what happens to those people afterwards? What happens to the families after the death of their loved ones? What happens five years later? How are their children doing? So even if you did start a blog and you did do stories, take, for instance, you did a story on um, Sudanese refugees. In five years, if you have a newspaper, go back and, you know, do an update. And you already have half the information from the blog. Just do an update. You know, so-and-so is going to college now. So-and-so owns a store. So-and-so is a fashion designer right now, or so-and-so just didn't make it. It was just too tough for them to make it. So you can always write, but you don't need to spend a lot of money doing it. And if you if you plan well, then you won't go out of business. I've been in business for 15, on going on 16 years, and it's, it's complicated. It is very complicated. Throughout the years, we had the economic recession. We, I've seen the newspaper industry, you know, basically um, shrink. I've seen um, the 24-hour news cycle just, uh, just go round and round. I've seen the advent of fake news. You know, it, 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 it's really odd to me that you 
hear that um, an actor is deceased and immediately your thought is, well, let me go check and make sure it's true. When when did our society get to that point where we have to research the death of someone? Um, When Charlie Murphy died, I was thinking to myself, that just can't be true. And when you, when you think like that automatically, it sort of desensitizes you to, yes. you know, um, tragedy. It, it's, it's a lot to deal with. But I would encourage anyone who just wants to be involved in their, their community to start out with a blog and to do research on whether, number one, you want to print on newspaper magazine or newsletter and then move from one space to the next because it's a very it's a very expensive um it's a very expensive business to get into especially if you want color and we're so used to just seeing color you know back in the day way back it was just black and white and we were good with it newspaper on every table um opened up and read through and through now, you know, we have so many other things that we can be looking at. Um, yeah. So you have to make sure that you, you, you price your, your, your product out before you go ahead. And that's, that's just the beginning, pricing the product out and then um, the software. And then after that, you have to find delivery spots. That's okay. a problem. You have to find places who are willing to take, your product, and if you are charging what a dollar dollar fifty, then you have to figure out how to go about doing that. My newspaper is free, so I don't have to worry about that but um if you're charging it's it's a problem, then you know you have to constantly monitor your boxes because your competition sometimes you know, takes your boxes or newspaper stands. So it's just a really interesting. Um... Oh, my God. Ah, you know what? I got this book called Cain and Abel at work, and it's amazing that it's it's just amazing. And it's just amazing that even if you're kind and loving, there's somebody with that scarcity belief that you have, if you didn't have what you had, they'd have more. And so they feel it's right for them to take something from you because somewhere in them they feel like if you didn't have as much as you you had, they'd have more. There are so many people walking around with that thought. And so they get conniving and tricky and and they just they, – abundance comes from within. Nobody can take your stuff. I don't know how people – Oh, get that. It is, it's like what's really yours. Is, Nobody can take it. Nobody can take it. It's impossible. They couldn't take it if they wanted to. But that scarcity belief, people look out, they say, you look better than me. You got more money. You got this, more education, more. I've got to take something from you, whether I put you down, whether I verbally take it from you, emotionally. Yes. i got to take it because I feel like if you didn't have all that, I'd have more. And that's just that it came and ate with me. And that's that. So when you said still in newspapers, I'm like, oh my god, people actually do that. It's like oh there's no goodness. end to this. <laughs> there, there is no end. But, I mean, and it's you know, um, it's really amazing to me how you know God works. And I say that because I one time I was driving down the street and. I saw this man at my newspaper box, and I know that he probably thought this was the best thing to do. He's kind of like a, a – he's, he's one of these people that goes to city council and he's always complaining. And I saw oh, him in okay. front of my newspaper box with a cardboard box taking all of my newspapers. Uh, and I, I was just – driving down the street. So I got out of my car and I said, you know, do you really think that that's going to, you know, stop me? What is your purpose? And you know what? He didn't have anything to say. He was very surprised that I was right there at the right time. And he just started putting the newspapers back. And every time I see him now, he looks very sheepish and, 
and and just and that was that was about in two thousand and nine. And those things don't don't leave. That was in two thousand and nine. Those things really don't don't leave you. And it's it's really interesting. The you know we're we're talking about the um, you know just people who just have an air of discord all the time. And um, I recall in about two thousand and nine, someone um, telling another person. Oh, don't worry about Rena Risper. She's nothing. Um, her, you know, nobody reads her newspaper. Uh, really? I, you know, I, I, you know, it's just some of the things that people say, and it, it's so amazing how the negativity. You can have one negative person and five positive people. Somehow, the the human mind wants yes, to yes, yes. Oh God, yes. It zones in on that one. <laughs> and I just had to tell myself, I just had to tell myself, Rena, don't worry about that. Just try to think about, you know, positive, positive, positive. Because when you are alone and you are, you know, uh, in your office and you're by yourself and you're trying to figure out where, where, where do I go next? Where's my next story? What am I doing? That's really what, that's really what counts. Whose life Am I impacting? Is it going to be the person on the telephone that I will never meet um, face-to-face? Or um, I just recently had someone that I helped, I don't know, maybe I don't, almost, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I just met her. You know, I just met her at a, at a reading um, at um, Schuler Bookstore in East Lansing. Lansing, East Lansing, the Eastwood Town Center, and I was really surprised that she remembered me, and I was surprised that I remembered her, but it was it was just a very small token of being kind, and you take those, you take those days, and you just, you take those days, and you multiply it by the years, and that's how much help and love that you give someone else that negates the one second of negativity from that negative person, you know. So I, I have to do a lot of that, especially being in the newspaper industry. Yeah, you know what I was going to say? When people do say that, though, because uh, we do so much projecting, and I think a lot of our life has lived in the past anyway. When you were talking about going back and revisiting the story, very few of us, they say, even live in the present. But um when somebody says someone's not important, they, they don't believe that. If they did, they wouldn't even mention the person. So when when that exactly. happens, you know that they they obviously think you are important because you're on their mind. Um, I, the next thing I wanted to ask you for for our listeners who still might say, you know what, even despite the challenges, I want to start a, a local community newspaper, and I can think. In the African American community, when my father was younger, he said that. Um, Although my father's crossed over, but he said it was when they uh, John Johnson came out with Jet Magazine, and he went door to door, giving them out for free just to build up interest in the in that magazine. He said that's when so many African Americans started to see positive things African Americans did. I still can remember reading Lerone Bennett Jr.'s piece. He was just such a good historian, but. That's when people started to see there was this other uh, uh, a story being told than what you heard in mainstream media, and it was those type of newspapers that really helped to shape uh, what a- African Americans saw of themselves. And they almost they the good work though that they did, who will ever know? Because my dad said before that you thought it was all negative, and then here come these. These these magazines and these newspapers, and you're hearing these amazing stories about people like you, and you've never heard them before. So for somebody who's still saying, despite the challenges, I want to do something similar to what John H. Johnson did in my community, um, I wanted to ask you next. You went through the process, and I, I thank you for that. Uh, how much w- would you say to somebody, okay, if you want to do just a plain paper, black and white, uh even if it just starts out as a newsletter, and they wanted to say, I'm going to start with just 500 or 1,000 copies, that's it, for my first week. 
what would you tell them is a reasonable price? So let's say if you did it as a, a small community newspaper so people don't get ripped off, what would be like a, a reasonable price? How many, pages, for, how many pages would it be? Uh, let's say it's 10. 10. Okay, so that would be 10 pages, which would be 20, 20 pages because you have the back and the front, correct? The back and the front. Yes. So you would, okay. you would, you would, you would just take. Always remember to double it because it's the back and the front. So it would be twenty times, however, whatever the cost is to print a black and white sheet of paper at your local store, or if you have something like um, H HP Printing. Um, has a uh, printer, a very inexpensive printer that allows you, and HP allows you to print a certain amount of pages each month for the same amount of money. That way you, would, you, would, you wouldn't have to go out of your home. The quality of print is amazing. And you would just ah. buy a printer. You would buy a printer. You would sign up for the printing program, which you get a hundred pages a month or a thousand pages a month or however many you wanted to buy and it's so much cheaper. And after when after you're done you can send the print cartridges back and they just continually send you cartridges for um for the same amount each month. So it and you can also do it um through the internet, you know you have wireless capabilities. So, if you wanted to start your newspaper and you just couldn't, or your newsletter, and you just couldn't, you know, get it printed out um, while you were at home because you had to go to work, or you could print it and send it to your computer, and it just prints out. I send myself letters all the time through. Um, they give you an email address, and you email your printer, and it prints it out. Think about, you know, the thing about saying all of that is that you would need to be in the industry to even know that that exists. But it's so much cheaper. I pay, I think, $4.99 a month for 100 copies, and I just really use it to print um, letters, and you send it online. Okay. And it's it's really amazing. So it it does not have to be an expensive um, venture. If you wanted to do a newsletter, I would totally um, think that would be a great idea. And for people who really don't write and who are afraid of the process of writing, the best thing that you can do is to write down questions and email them to the person. That way you'll know exactly what what you didn't get from the responses. So I want to interview a black scuba diver. Now, I don't know anything about scuba diving. However... Do your research, send questions, have them send the questions back to you, and half of your work is done. You didn't even leave your, you didn't even leave your house. You, you just ask questions. They come back to you. They're already filled out. And then you look at what you wanted to know but didn't, the person didn't respond to, and then you ask them two or three more questions. And there you go right there, questions, answers, you're good to go, and then you have a story. Or do you have? No, go ahead. Or you can do that with a doctor. You know, if 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 you had a doctor that primarily deals with diabetes, you can do that with anybody, with with any person. Or you may have a you know um, the first black bus driver in in town. Or you can have you know the Sikh Indian that owns 
the grocery store? Um, where did he, how did he get to the United States? Um, how does his um, faith intersect with um, selling alcohol? You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of questions that, you know, you could ask. Now, tell us uh, about building, how did you build your team for a new, new Citizens Press and how do you find these people that you want to feature in in a local community newspaper? Do you do you is there something you subscribe to that you get alerts of things going on and then you know who to reach out and contact? So how do you how do you build your team and then how do you find these stories to cover? I will tell you that social media has been one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Right now I have maybe about 16,000 connections on um, social media between Facebook, Twitter, and um, LinkedIn. And I find the stories through press releases as well um, when individuals send them out. But for the most part, I read other people's posts to to see what's going on. People are very proud of their accomplishments. They're very proud of their children's accomplishments, and those are the, and that is what most people post: positive stories about themselves or their children. And no one can tell you, oh, you know, you're just tooting your own horn. Well, it's my page; I get to toot, you know. So I do a <laughs> lot of, uh, I I do a lot of reading because um, there are some really amazing things going on. And um, it's our responsibility to get that information out there. And the one thing that I do love about social media is that I find some really amazing young people. And it's so great when I get to see them holding a copy of the newspaper. And it's so great to see um, teenagers writing because their parents posted something about, a paper that they did, and they took the paper and made it into made it into an article for me. That's how I really find um, the stories that I publish because I read into what other people are doing. I I also, you know, we as individuals we are like mosaics. I mean, we're all little pieces of tiles all put together. But when you look at it, it's one huge picture. So you could have somebody who who just had um, just lost 100 pounds. That person could also be um, the CEO of their own company who also had um, a son who was murdered. See what I'm saying? Mm. That's just one person who, who makes and, – and, and she also loves gardening. So we have four stories there. How did you ah. how did you get into how did you get into gardening? And then she'll tell you the story about how when when her family lived in Arkansas and her grandmother had a garden and they would go out there and they would grow and then they would give all the food to all the people in the neighborhood or they would have this major cookout and then you know then you know, well, wow, how did you lose 100 pounds? Well, you know what? This is what my life was like, and these are the things that happened. Nothing to do with the gardening, but you know that the gardening is going to come back to it. You know, you people are mosaics. They have little pieces of themselves that could be made into stories at any any point in time. You know, I am a quilter and a knitter, so that has nothing to do with my job as a newspaper publisher. I'm a gardener. I'm an avid gardener. It has nothing to do with my position as a newspaper publisher. However, I write about gardening all the time. I write about gardening. I write about um, what you can grow. I write about, and I'm going to say this because I think it's really important that we understand that when you have community gardens, they need to focus on who is living in the community in Americans. It really bothers me when um, 
some organizations grow vegetables that are not usually found on an African-American table, but you got the African-American kids out there sowing the soil, tilling the soil. And it bothers me because you're out there sowing, but you should have something to give to the kids to take home so that their mother or father can cook. Don't send home a, you know, a chive and sour cream recipe. What is that? You know, you better be growing some collard beans, <laughs> some string beans. You know what I'm saying? And that's, you know, so, you know, we have to, you know, we have to, I urbanize my my conversation because, oh, it's so great. We have all these, we have this, this, you know, gardens going on. What are you growing? And we can only eat but so many tomatoes. You know, look into that. You know, we, you know what I mean? You, you better be growing something, right? I mean, but you don't think, when you when you talk about things, you don't think about those differences. I mean, we can only eat so much corn, you know, Give us something green that we normally eat, and please stop it with the tides. You know, stop it with, you know, all these, you know, I don't know, a lot of people who eat rhubarb pie, but if you eat rhubarb pie, that is fine. But for the most part, bring let these kids take something home that they can cook up quickly, and that it, it doesn't have anything to do with something that, their grandmother never um, cooked before anyway, or their mom never cooked before anyway. So that's my thing uh, okay. about you know, gardening. Barbrina, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what, what can each person do to support local newspaper? And are, are most local newspapers, would you say, are they online now? Like they're not printing anymore, they're just online. And, and how can we support local newspapers? The first thing people can do is find out where their local newspaper is. Next thing people can do is every time you walk into a store, ask the manager <laughs> why the newspaper isn't there. Every time you ah. go into a every time you go into a hotel, if I go into a hotel in Atlanta and I'm visiting, I ask for the African American newspapers. And if the clerk doesn't know, I send an email after I'm finished visiting the town telling them that they should probably have that newspaper in available to individuals who come to stay at their hotel. I mean, there's a lot of different things that could be done. Also, just going out online because a lot of um, advertising is based on per click. Per click, Uh, when you go out uh. Their um their website they have advertisements out there and the newspaper gets paid per person who clicks on the ad. So I would go out and look around and see and read and comment and email and maybe call and tell them we're doing a good job. Even if it's just the crossword, I get I get people calling all the time about the crossword. I mean it's. And, and how much they enjoy it. It's, it's an interesting space to be in. I um, didn't do Sudoku, and I was visiting a um, a group home, and a young man said, you know what, you should do Sudoku. And I said, I should. So I credit him. You know, you have this homeless youth who said you should do Sudoku, He's one of my readers, so guess what? Now we do Sudoku based on that one young man's (laughs) suggestion, and I'm sure that he was surprised that I even, you know, wanted to hear what he had to say. But in a a one-hour conversation, you know, you you have to learn about people. I would also suggest, you know, if if you are going to start a newspaper to have sort of a focus group, you can – really do a lot through um, SurveyMonkey, which is okay. a, a, a free um, survey website where you can just do a survey on Facebook. I've, I've learned that if you're going to be in the media, you have to be um, uh, social media savvy as well. Um, when I print the newspaper, 
I tell everybody the newspaper is printed online. Um, I do have a the New Citizens Press um, Facebook page, separate from my personal page. But I love I love Facebook. I think that it's a great opportunity to you know share and spread the word in between the times that you print. So if you are printing a newsletter and something happens, say. Um, Miss Jones, your writer, she's been writing for you for 10 years. She passed away in between your print schedule. You can go online and then print, you know, that, you know, with great sadness, Miss Jones has passed away, and um, we will be printing her obituary in the next edition. So that way you are not behind the news. Um, You are ahead of it, so to speak. I have a distinct advantage that I don't have to go through any red tape to post what I need to post. So if ah. I get if I get a report that there's been a bank robbery, I'm probably the fastest one to post because I don't I don't have a producer to go through. I don't have anyone oh, okay. else to go through um, having your own own media. It's it's a real it, but you know it's a it's a double edged sword because um you also have to do everything. I mean, you have to do a lot. You you do advertisement. If someone doesn't deliver the newspaper, you have to get out there and do it. You are not, if you are printing a alternative, that's what it's called, alternative newspaper, you have to remember that at some point in time, you are going to have to do all and be all for your newspaper. Some days I'm just like, oh, wee, this is, ooh, I got, ooh. <laughs> it's just in the wintertime, you know, when you, ooh, when you're just like, oh, this, the newspaper bundle just broke and it's all on in the snow and you're just looking at it ready to cry. And then you realize, you know, that newspaper bin inside Kroger is empty. So just pick them up, put them in the car to dry, take out a new one and keep it moving, even though that, you know, that cart is not really moving that well through the snow. You know, we we got it under control, though. But it's it's a really interesting place to be in. Your writers come from 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 everywhere. They they come from everywhere. People will, you know, people will stop you to ask you uh, questions, or they'll stop you to tell you a story. And within that story, um, you you may want to print it yourself. As a as a writer, and I'm sure that a lot of writers do this. In your head, you are already creating the story before you even yes. finish talking yes. to the person. It's this little twinge inside, like, oh, I'm. That's what I wanted. I want to do that, you know. And and as a writer, and as a person who's been writing for so long, you know, we get writer's block. We get, uh, you know, um, disturbed by things or, you know, just our own personal lives can really um, shift into a, a different direction and of, of where we want to be. Um, it, it's, and I was thinking to myself the other day, there's a, there's a um, hotel-like structure, and it was, it was being built up so beautifully, and I, I was like looking forward to this new thing happening. And all of a sudden it stopped. It just totally stopped. And I didn't pay any attention to it. The place is like abandoned. And then I was on Facebook and I realized that this gentleman and his wife, they they were so in love with each other. But she just passed away from, um, I think, ALS. That's why the project stopped. That's why, you know, that's why there was no more, you know, movement forward because people have lives and we need to consider that people have lives. And it was a real strange connection that I had made to to that and and if I were to stop printing the newspaper that I would hope that people would understand that, you know, people have lives and they need to live their lives according to what's going on in it. And not for not for other people. So we we always I'm always looking for people to be creative 
and to to add to what it is that that we're doing because you need them. I need yeah. I need people. Oh yes, yes. You know what? We we've got about five minutes left. I wanted to ask you this. Now you've been involved. You support books and novels. I know you had your book review column. Uh, that you uh, yep. read for several years. You support uh, reading, learning, literacy. Have you ever you 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 majored in sociology? You've been in, you're on the community boards. Have you ever thought about starting a local television station, like becoming a Kathy Hughes when she started her her media out of a what did she was leave a one bedroom apartment or a trailer? Her and her son were when her son was young. And she just came up, just uh, she just kept at it. You know, but have you ever thought about starting a local television show? You know, I I did have my own tele- television show at one point in time. I had a radio show at one point in time, and it's just it's it's a lot of work. And not only is it a lot of work, but um, to get the people around you to 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 be a part of that, we did have it television show it was called um the new perspective my radio show was called the new perspective and um what i would like to do now is to help other people um learn and other businesses learn how to um, manage public relations how to manage your your press releases when you have an event um, a backpack drive. Don't just expect for everyone to just come and be a part of it. You have to write a press release, and, you, and your press release has to be on point or else it's going to go in the trash, you know. So that's what I would like to do. I would really like to start a business or join a public relations team that helps people with their their media of what to do and what not to do and how you can help write your own story to move your life forward. Ah, okay. How you can write help write your own story. So you've done television, you've done radio, so media is is it seems like it is a part of of your your DNA. And I thought you were still doing radio but you you no longer do that. Can you tell us a few ways? So somebody let's say they get out, they start their own community newspaper, advertising is important whether you're in radio, print or television, even on the internet. Advertising, YouTube, etc. It's a struggle. Those folks make I'm a- just gonna say it's a struggle. It's a struggle. You, I mean, I struggle with it. I struggle with it. For the first couple of years, people were just coming to me, and now I have to go to them, and I have to continually call. It's a struggle. I struggle with it every day. So it's it's not easy. But if you have someone in your life who's a great salesperson, that's helpful. And what also is helpful is it's a struggle period. Even if you own a um, clothing store, it's a struggle getting the word out about your business because what people think, oh, I love this, and then other people are going to love it. No, that's not how it works because what you love, other people don't love. So you have to get the word out there. You have to get the word out however you can, but you have to do it in a manner in which is, you know, conducive for you and your customers, which are broad-based other than, you know, unless you sell one specific type of thing, even, you know, with, with, with clothing, there's all different styles, all different, you know, colors, where they're made, what have you. You know, some people want lining, some people don't want lining. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot going on with, with sales, but um, you just have to have someone who is dedicated, someone who is dedicated Make them dedicated to pushing you to do more work for yourself. And, and on that note, I think I'll take my own advice. <laughs> oh, Rena, you know what? You're, you go awesome timing. This the show just flew by, and thank you for everything you shared. For the listeners who may have come in midstream, if you are interested and starting your own local community newspaper, I highly encourage you to listen to this interview in its entirety because uh, Rena Risper, who 
uh, owns the New Citizens Press, which headquartered in Lansing, Michigan. She shared a lot of valuable tips and advice on the the printing, the process, whether you do it, two, two different types of printing, the newsletter, the tabloid size, or you go virtual. And we just talked a little bit about the advertising uh, dollars. But if you're interested, I definitely would encourage you to listen to uh, the interview in its entirety. And then if you are a book writer and you want to get involved with local newspapers or you're just a, just a writer, uh, this show may prove to be very beneficial to you. So we want to thank Rena Risper for being with us here this morning. She's, a, again, the publisher of New Citizens Press, and it's a multicultural newspaper. It's online, but it mainly serves the Lansing, Michigan area. And she's also very been very involved in the community, you can check out New Citizens Press online at tncp.com. That's T as in Tom, N as in Nancy, C as in Cat, and P as in Peter. tncp.net. I said dot com, but dot net. tncp.net. So we want to thank Rena Risper for being here with us, and we want to definitely thank all of you, our off the shelf listeners, for being here. Please. Just set your calendar Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to to just drop in and catch us here at Off the Shelf. Please come back next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time, where we will bring you another fabulous guest. Those who came in midstream, you can always listen to our shows in entirety in the archives. We thank you again, Rena. To everybody, remember you're awesome. You are amazing. You are absolutely incredible. Go out and create an awesome day for yourself. Rena, I'll shoot you uh, an email. Bye for now. <laughs>